Hello, hello, hello. Sammy here from the Gateway team. Just letting you know how much we all appreciate your love and support over the last few seasons of Gateway. And just letting you know that you can help us by heading to our newly established Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash gateway to anime. Every little bit helps and we really appreciate any love and support that you can find. You can also, of course, find us on all social media platforms if you search Gateway to Anime. And please go and check out our website at www.gatewaytoanime.com. If you have the time to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, once again, such a massive help. Something feels like doesn't help, but helps us massively. So if you have the time, please do. Thanks again for your love and support. Well, hello, everyone. And today we have a very, very special guest. We have composer of anime and video game extraordinaire, Kevin Pankin with us today. Kevin, how are you, mate? Not too bad. How are you? Good, man. Real good. Real good. Thank you so much for joining us. Charlotte and I are huge Not fans. Not at all. Huge fans of yours, and this is really exciting for oh. us. Well, this is that, that's so kind of you to say. It's yeah. You guys mentioned you're um, you're on the east coast as well, and yeah, it's it's nice to chat to someone in your own time zone as well. <laughs> it's always uh, it's always appreciated, and uh, yeah, I uh, hope you guys are keeping safe as well. I mean, thankfully, you know, Australia's been okay in that in that regard. So. So yeah, I, but in general, I hope you guys are keeping safe and healthy as well. Yeah. Yes, yes. Have been pretty lucky. I've been looking at the news from India today, and it's uh, it's pretty hectic. It's pretty um, gnarly. Yeah. No, we've been. Oh, it's, super oh, it's so shocking. Yeah. It's shocking. When we found out that there was somebody who was working in the anime industry who was Australian, am I correct in saying that you are Perth originally? Originally Perth. Yeah. If you want to be like super specific, technically I was born in Dorset in Exeter in the UK, but like I've been in Perth since I was like five. So right. You know. Uh, I definitely call myself Perth. Yeah, look, that sounds <laughs> well, pretty, from Perth. I should pretty say. Perth for me. It's a bit of a personality. <laughs> Very uh, good. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, knock back a couple of vodkas, and yeah, definitely the uh, the Perth traits will will come out. Oh uh, yeah, I've tried more more more, more sea bombs, etc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just beyond mostly just impressed. I was kind of like, wow, this is amazing. This guy is Australian from Perth. Like, I'm so jealous that you have this amazing career in anime. And the first thing I thought was. How, how did this happen? Like, where, how did you get here? What did you do? So I have so many questions and I'm so excited that you agreed <laughs> to come and talk to us because truly it's amazing and it's quite unique. So I think oh, it's well, very exciting. No, no, my absolute pleasure. It's it's amazing because I, I, I fell out of watching anime for a while and I was just obsessed with games. I was just doing games and film for a while. And then when anime, when anime kicked back up, the first thing I was really interested to see is what people thought of it. And the online community of anime, because it's not as sort of big as the gaming community, but it still has the same amount of passion and intensity in both positive and negative ways. It was really just nice to kind of reconnect with anyone who was doing anime discussions or content or, you know, anime related content on YouTube or podcasts. And so to see an Australian podcast like this as well, it gives me a nice warm, fuzzy feeling inside as well, because, you know, it's a local community as well as an, a very uh, strong, passionate and sometimes intimate online community. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's really nice to be 
involved in something that's growing so much, especially in the West, you know, and even though we're only involved in such a limited capacity, it's just been wonderful as a fan to watch this thing that we love just become so big. But uh, yeah, so when did you start playing music? When did you, when did this all begin for you? Well, uh, oh, by the way, just, I'll just double check. How are you with swearing on this podcast? Oh, I don't want to swear too much, but all right. All good, Honestly, man. You know, we... I'm, <laughs> I've, got a, <laughs> I've got a I've got I've got a I've got a bleeper. I actually do have like a like a f- button <laughs> if I need it. So <laughs> I can use that if you so wish and I might use it occasionally. But yeah. <laughs> what I was gonna say and the reason I asked about swearing is because basically my skill set is only music and everything else I'm quite shit at. <laughs> so especially as a kid, I wasn't very interested like I did like the the basic math, the basic science and English in high school and but like music was always sort of the um the interest, the passion and the only thing that I actually was, you know, prepared to engage in. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So, uh it all started pretty early, did guitar for a year. I absolutely loved my um the teacher that I had at the time, I was like six. I was learning guitar from this hard rock guy. But as a six-year-old, all you want to play is the Wiggles. <laughs> and uh, I learned this Wiggles song, was so excited to show my guitar teacher. And uh, I was like, oh, I learned this Wiggles song. I'm so happy about it. And he just turned around. He's like, Kevin, the Wiggles suck. <laughs> and he said that to like this six, seven-year-old. I was so fucking gutted. <laughs> and so I moved on to, to flute from there. And I... I, I to this day, I still play flute. Right. Oh, wow, yeah. But that's where that's where it started, man. Nice. <laughs> also, the Wiggles, they just did a like a version. They're pretty, they're pretty cool they're these pretty days. They're pretty badass these know. days. Oh, I, I reckon I if I gave them another listen now, I would still say that they're pretty fucking slamming. Yeah. Absolutely, like, man. You know, it's the Wiggles. Absolutely. Come on. They're fucking boss, yo. Don't they make the most money yeah. of any musical export of Australia? Like, yeah. don't they, aren't they the richest musicians? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They are. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. They, they made more than ACDC. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure about the, the, the wealth, but, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, they're incredibly successful. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's crazy. And then, yes. so, I guess just a little Perth thing, where where'd you go to school? We probably... We probably know people. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> like, are we, I mean, are potentially. We I mean, so I, I, I went to um, Mount Lawley Senior High School. Oh, yeah, wow. Right. Sort of the, the lucky, I guess, sort of turn of events that happened because I went to that school. Mount Lawley Senior High School is right across from one of Australia, uh, Western Australia's two main conservatoriums. I, I was across from the West Australian Academy of Performing Arts, mm-hmm. or WAPA, as, as we know it, yes. because this high school literally had a pathway, a, a designated pathway for students of the high school to go to the university campus to learn music. And one of the electives you could do as a student in year 11 and 12 in this school was do a certificate for in music at WAPA while still in high school. Oh. So assuming that you complete that certificate for with, you know, standard sufficient amount of merit, you know, you have a good chance of being able to to go into the bachelor's degree, whether it be jazz, classical, or in my case, composition. That's funny. We actually both went to WAPA. So, mm-hmm. um. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Wait, what, what, what years? Um, if, 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 you don't have to answer if you don't want to. No, no I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to show my age. I'm proud of being nearly 30. Um, <laughs> so I graduated from the acting course in 2013. So a while ago now. We were at the, there at the same time. Holy what? fuck. So I knew we'd yeah. get Perth. Oh, we I got knew Perth. we were getting yeah, Perth yeah. this, this like, podcast. I, I was there 2010 to 2012. No, Holy what? Shit. Oh yeah, 2011, yeah. 2013. Wow, Kevin, wow. we probably were at Aroma Cafe together and had no clue. <laughs> yeah, we'll Fucking, probably... <laughs> man, I'm just getting some PTSD now. What is it, like a, like, it's like 
$25 for a sandwich or something yeah. like that. $16 for a coffee. 20 bucks. Fuck They've changed now. Man, that brings me back. Hey, yeah. Then look, I mean, it's pretty likely that we probably know some mutuals. Yeah. Almost, almost definitely. I was a bit, I did musical theater. Oh, great. 2007 to 2009. Show my age. Oh, so wait, uh, do you know people like Cohen Van Zembeek? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I know Cohen. Oh, no yeah, we're there at the same time. <laughs> And then, like, um, you know, Jason, who's in Hamilton right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's fucking smashing it. He's, he's, he's no, fucking Alexander like, Hamilton. It's actually, <laughs> it's remember I saw that casting and was like, that is that is massive. That's the best. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll, we'll probably have a lot of mutuals. Wow. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Amazing. Well, there you go. That's yeah, it. but um, yeah, 2010 to 2012, and then I went to the UK for about six years, and then I came back here to Melbourne. I think Perth is amazing. Maybe I'll retire there one day. I don't think I'll live there right now. Yeah, yeah, we feel the and same. You guys are in Sydney. Maybe you have a similar mindset to this. It's true. It's like I think I always describe Perth to people as like it's the best place to grow up or raise a family or like retire. You know, it's like it's so beautiful. It's, yeah, it's stunning. It's yeah, it's got everything you kind of need. But yeah, being younger, it's it's hard. It's hard to make things for sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, you do what you can. I guess if you're a kid growing up, I know that I didn't have a perspective on how kind of isolated it is in a positive and negative way mm. until I kind of left. Like all the places I wanted to go globally w- w- weren't like that horrible from from Perth. Like you know, I went to Japan a lot. I went to UK, but you know, the UK, even though it is eighteen hours, but you know, if you're coming from Melbourne now, it's like 20, 20 21 hours. You know, mm. obviously, you know when we can actually travel. But yes. I think, yeah, it is a great place to go back. It's, it's very, very good at kind of resetting you. Yes. Resetting your soul a little bit. Totally. You know, go back for like maybe two weeks, stay with the parents or whatever, a couple of days or a week or so, maybe do a cheeky trip down to Margaret River, yep. you know, all that, you know, all the... <laughs> Do the classics, the beach. I think I do think the beach is still kill it over there. Oh man, the best. Childhood friends, etc. You know, bit of cheeky, you know, Northridge Chinatowns, that sort of thing. You know, whatever, whatever place you buy. But you know, it's a very, very good place to reset. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Absolutely. So you then went to England for six years and you studied there. Is that did you continue studying over there? Is that correct? C- correct. So the reason I went to England, there was a couple of reasons. Basically, after I graduated Whopper at 2012, I did not do At the time, a fourth year, which was the honours year, was not mandatory. So I only did the three-year bachelor course without honours. Now, to get into a master's program, in most places in the world, you need that fourth-year honours dissertation. Right. I'm not someone who writes dissertations. Yeah. So uh, I had to look at places that would either take me and do like a fourth honors year that didn't require a dissertation, was just a, a, a portfolio submission, or look for master's programs that only required a straight bachelor, did not require it to be specifically a bachelor with the fourth year honors. Gotcha. And there were two places that I found that potentially were applicable to my situation. Nothing in Japan, nothing in America, not I mean, it was bloody expensive anyway. Mm-hmm. The place I ended up going to, I'll explain. But um, basically, my two options were a one-year honours course in Melbourne mm-hmm. or a two-year master's course doing composition for screen, specifically at the Royal College of Music in London. Right. And I applied for both. And Melbourne Uni or the Con or whatever, the, the Melbourne place that I, I applied to over here, they rejected me. Right. And the Royal College of Music in London accepted me and offered me a scholarship. Right. No so there you go. Uh, okay. <laughs> that, yeah, do it. that's kind of locked that up. Like the, the student musicians, the level of the student musicians 
at the Royal College of Music are some of the best in the world, just straight mm. up. And the, 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 the screen course is also quite, is incredibly revered. It's very, very good. And what I liked about that specific course is even though, of course, it had a, a hardcore business aspect to it, talking to you about the business and the industry, the focus was predominantly always about craft, which I personally really appreciated. Because mm-hmm. uh, there, there are places that will teach you craft, but only secondary to being in the business in the first place or getting you skills that will, will make you a fantastic, you know, secondary or a fantastic, uh, you know, assistant or something like that. Or, you know, it felt a little bit less craft-based than the college and because the college also has, it's kind of a weird name, um, like what what was kind of referred to as like straight composition composers. So yep. concert music composers, you know, art sure. music composers mm-hmm. as well. Everyone's kind of doing, like, everyone's in the same area. Everyone's friends. And so, you know, my, some of my best friends in the UK are either very, very good musicians or they are concert music composers. Yeah. Not not to say that I don't also have, like, you know, some, some contemporaries that I absolutely adore. But it was interesting to just sort of have that, okay, you're going to move hemispheres now sort of thing kind of, you know, decided for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And from, from fucking Perth as well. Yeah. So, you know, small town spread out. You know, to you know, what is it like eight million people in metropolitan London? It's hectic. It's a it's a big jump, and then I guess another big jump. So you've done screen compositions. I suppose it's not that big of a jump, but to anime, I, like I just, how does this leap um, happen? It's not as crazy as one might think sure. because during my Whopper days, I was also doing video game music with yes. Japan. So for context, very late high school, and then throughout all three summer holidays of the three years of Whopper that I did, I would uh, take that time to go to Japan. Ah. Because I had, I, I had met the, the Final Fantasy composer, Nobuo Imatsu, yes. at a concert in Seattle during my high school days. Right. Um, I had been able to keep in touch with them, and every time I would go to Japan, I would say, hi, I'm here, uh, I'm just having a holiday. If you have some time, it would be a great honor to, to be able to say hi, to meet you. And I would always present a, a disc, a, a CD at the time of music. Right. And a, and a resume. For some reason, I, I, I gave him a resume at the time. Well, just, you, know, not, <laughs> you don't need a resume. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so basically, eventually, the music that I was giving to Uematsu-san and, and, and his manager as well, that kind of paid off because they said, look, we have this smaller game domestic Japan game and uh, Uematsu will write the, the main theme. And would you be so kind as to arrange this theme for the game and also write all the other background music for this particular project, wow. which as a, I was 18. Whoa. So, which is like big pressure. Like, yeah. actually, no, no. I would say that like, because I was 18, I probably didn't like have the, obviously like, oh my God, it's my idol, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, because maybe I would get way more anxious about doing that today because I've got more perspective. Sure. Then at the time <laughs> where I was like, cool, let's write music, man. And, you know, <laughs> everything I do nowadays, I think about like the consequence. Whereas yeah. at the time I was just like writing for the sake of writing because totally. it's what I did. It's totally. what I like. But yeah, that game was a uh, sort of a, a leapfrog point. I don't think that's a good phrase, but yeah, it, it was basically a jumping off point. There we go. Uh, jumping off point to basically doing other projects with Uematsu. Mm-hmm. One of them was a video game called Norn 9. Mm-hmm. That game eventually turned into an anime. Right. That coincidentally, or actually, no, I don't know if this is coincidental or not, but basically the company that I ended up working with way down the track. I'm jumping forward just a little bit, but basically I started doing an OVA called Under the Dog Mm -hmm. with a company called Kinema Citrus. And at the same time that we were doing 
that job. They randomly emailed one day and said, we're doing Norn 9, the anime. Right. And I said, okay, so what what do you mean by that? Because, like, you're not – because I know that series because I wrote it – wrote music for it as a as a teenager, mm. <laughs> as a game. So you're saying it's now an anime that you are specifically doing somehow and that that you would like me to continue doing the the same music that I well not the same, but you know, you using the the content that I that I did as a kid now in a, in my very first anime. Wow. And I thought it was like such a weird coincidence that that happened. But that was sort of the connection. Mm. It was video games. Right. Yeah, and just people in in both those industries sort of being willing to be the bridge between, yeah, this guy who did like a couple of, you know, really awesome like gigs with Uematsu like from Perth and then all of a sudden like, hey, so some of those jobs are now anime? (laughs) 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 Yeah, like I... I don't know how it happened. I'm happy it did. Obviously, I'm working very hard to to maintain that, mm. you know, that momentum, that, you know, energy. But, yeah, it's, it is weird <laughs> in a great way, but a weird way. It was probably the well. resume you handed in, I reckon. That was it. It was, you know, it's so good thank God. Learn. You know, yeah. Got A plus on my music exam, <laughs> but a C minus on my Sudoku. math. <laughs> But that's how it happened. Well, that was the start of it. And wow. Kinema Citrus, after they were happy with the work that I did on Under the Dog and Nor 9, they said, hey, we're doing this new, new thing called Maiden Abyss. And that right. was it. That was it. That was yeah. the big one. That was it. So Maiden Abyss was my second anime ever or wow. third if you want to count an OVA. Oh, my wow. gosh. So that's where I first heard about you because um, I was watching Maiden Abyss and I actually looked up the music and then realized that your name was Kevin Penkin. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's – you know, not a Japanese name. And so I looked it up and was like, it's an Australian guy. This Can confirm it is not a it is not a traditional <laughs> Japanese name. <laughs> but yeah, first of all, just congratulations yeah. on everything. It's the coolest thing. I kind of wish I could go back in time and just hand things to people I admired and be like, here's my demo. Oh, like, I was definitely mm-hmm. like, it's an awkward experience, but I think it's more awkward on the person receiving it than it is the person at the time. Like <laughs> sure. I don't remember being, I mean, I remember being nervous about it, but, you know, I try and do my best to be the same person that a couple of those very early people were to me but it is very difficult and also like to like to take a chance on like some random dude from the most isolated city on, city on the planet <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. pretty it's insane pretty uh gutsy yeah it's incredible let's go, let's go with gutsy yes yeah, gutsy, work. gutsy works <laughs> yeah i mean also let's just be real final fantasy 7 is just it pretty much changed both of our lives as, absolutely as kids <laughs> like that's just, hell yeah it's the oh, i mean bombing danger is still oh. In, term, in terms of the way that that song has been able to seep itself into culture, gaming culture, is, well, I don't know if it's going to happen again, again in the same mm. way. I would argue probably not. Yeah. But, you know, actually, I, I think I'm probably wrong on that, but, I, you know, I'll, I'll be happily proven right. <laughs> but, I mean, for example, that One Wing Danger track, the way that I know it still fucking slaps outside of my own personal opinion about that track mm-hmm. When Sephiroth was announced as a Smash Brothers character and they just dropped the track, the amount of people that flipped their shit (laughs) before even seeing and confirming that it was Sephiroth because they knew the music 
was very, very gratifying to watch because just to, you know, those orchestral stabs that are just somehow so recognizable. So good. And uh, it's, yeah, it's fun watching people's reactions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it's almost like a WWE, like the theme music hits. Oh my God, it's Sephiroth. That's actually so fucking accurate. I never thought about it that way. But yeah, now that I think about it, like when I was a kid, I used to do, uh, like watch a little bit of WWE. Mm -hmm. I was into the games and stuff. I remember like if Kane came out and it had the theme of Kane. Yes. <laughs> and on the guitar, I say, "Oh man, you know, you know, everything's happening now." <laughs> oh, no, it's on. Well, like the under, the Undertaker and stuff with just like the gong. Mm. Yeah, it's good times. It's yeah. good so times. Cold with the smashing of the glass and da ding, da ding, da ding. So good. Oh yeah, oh, man. Yeah, badass, man. That's 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 incredible. That is absolutely incredible. So I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about your your process and about how, like, just how it kind of works, I guess. I mean, how does a project happen? I mean, that's a, that's a stupid question, but I mean, like, in what respect to like, <laughs> so like, how does a project happen, man? Uh, no, but like, as like, in- How do you do what you do, man? How do you do it, bro? Like, just, just level with me. But I mean- No, like, no, it's all, yeah. Sorry, let, let me rephrase that question. So, I mean, are you brought in at the start of a project and given a brief and then kind of sent off just to write as many songs to that brief as possible? Or are you brought in at the end, like that you're given a full episode and it's like, hey, score this. It can't be week to week, right? Is, is it like episode to episode? At what point are you brought in on oh, a project? Right. Okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Look, it totally depends on the project. Mm-hmm. Some projects that that have already come out that have been around out for a while, I can sort of break down the process a little bit because it's more public knowledge. Sure. Some of the things I can't go into too much detail about because it's not really either it's like too recent or it's not out yet, et cetera, et cetera. Of course. What I'll say is that when it comes to writing music for anime, there's a couple of ways that you can do it fundamentally. So when you're writing a TV show or like a series show, 13 or 24, 25, 26 episodes, most of the time you will write music that isn't for a specific scene of an episode. Right. What will normally happen is that there will be a discussion where we look at the entire story that's going to be told in that series, 13 or 26 episodes, and we break down as many sort of categories or uh, sort of sections that could use the same piece of music. For example, okay, we've got like 10 battle battle scenarios here. Maybe we need four or five battle tracks. And you could say, okay, we need five pieces of battle music that we will need to have written where we can edit that music after it's been completed, mm-hmm. recorded and mixed. And we need to be able to place it successfully in a scene, but not just that scene is going to be reused. Right. So if you, if you watch like Dragon Ball Z as a kid, mm-hmm. whenever like there was like a freak out by Saiyan and they were going to go like Super Saiyan one or two mm-hmm. and like they had the same music, like this, yep, yep. You know, I'm not doing, I'm not doing a rendition justice, <laughs> but, um, but basically like they would, they would have music that are more, that, that's more associative with a scene or a feeling. Right. Or or a, t- or a type of scene. Like, you know, for example, if you had like 10, 10 pieces of music that all their descriptions were, you know, regular town music. Mm-hmm. And then like the first track is, oh, we're talking. The second track is, oh, we're in a field talking. Right. You know, <laughs> you know it can be very, very general. Right. But wow. uh, basically y- you can write quite freely off that actually. Yeah. Especially if you're very inspired at the time, you've got a lot of music to write, you're quite you know, excited by the world that you're writing with, uh, that you're writing for rather, you can just kind of do a lot of music that sort of almost is just basically a, a statement, a creative statement, a self-statement. It's just kind of in the language of this particular show. Interesting. Which is, which is really, really fun yeah. because that way you get to kind of express some some personal things. 
while also, you know, remaining on point. The flip side of that would be doing synchronized music, which is, uh, as I think you kind of suggested, going episode to episode or going, you know, from if, if you're doing a movie, you know, watching the movie and deciding, okay, where's the music going to start? Where's mm-hmm. the music going to end? And, you know, everything in between. That is so, so, so interesting. So, like, you get a fair amount of autonomy then to do your own thing to a degree, I suppose. Or, I mean, the, varies, the, I yeah, to a degree, to a degree. I mean, thankfully, I'm in a position... And I, I must give credit to the um, to the incredible teams in Japan that I've been able to work with so far. They've been very, very open to ideas. Mm. Obviously, they have a vision and they want to make sure that whatever I'm giving them works with that vision. But they've they've always been very accommodating to saying we're interested in what you have to say about this. We're not we're not we're not insisting that you write music that's Irish in theme or mm-hmm. or exclusively Irish in theme. You know, if you could work a little Irish in there somewhere, that we would be very grateful for that. That would be really cool. Right. And it's like, hey, okay, cool. I'll, I'll work a little something in there and I'll, I'll, you know, work it in, kind of make it sound as legit as possible while not sounding disingenuous by writing just Irish music because that's totally. not what I do. Totally. It, am I detecting a little bit of the Irish sort of Celtic music in The Rising of the Shield Hero a little bit? The occasional, that might be also down to my flute history. Ah, um, yes. Definitely occasionally, like, yeah, th- there has been some influence on that occasionally. Mm. I wouldn't say I wouldn't go so far as to say that the that the Irish stuff is conscious or right. a, like a conscious decision just yet. But it is a, a, a very very beautiful combination of instruments and harmony and rhythm. Oh, absolutely! And it is it is fun to explore. Personally speaking, man, one of the best nights of my life was in Dublin when we went to Temple Bar and we were like, man, this fucking sucks. Let's get out of here. This is just bad London. And then we're walking back to the uh, motel. Hostel actually at that point I was on the 18 and we're walking Ooh. down this like alleyway and we just hear this music coming out of this tiny little hole in the wall and we walk in there and there's these three dudes and the place is going fucking off it was like the wildest experience people dancing yelling screaming like and then this woman got up and sang with them who was 96 years old and they're like oh Jesus that's Rose you know that's that's her up there and they showed there was a, a black and white photo of her she started working oh, wow. as a waitress in that bar when she was 16. She was 96 and she got up and sang with the uh, Irish folk band and it was one of the most moving experiences of my life. I was yeah. like, oh, my God. So, yeah, uh, one of my best friends in the UK is Irish, comes from an Irish family, and that particular family, the sense of community yes. that, that, like, that my best friend's family has that I know would not be an exclusive value to mm-hmm. them, but just to be able to be part of that, to feel like if, if they accept you, you're basically family. Yes, like if if you're gonna be a piece of shit, then they're gonna you know not really mince their words. But you know <laughs> if, if they if they accept you, if they love you, I mean you you're gonna you're gonna be part of that forever mm. unless you fuck up, which you know <laughs> hopefully you never <laughs> do. But um, my my point being is like that that culture of community is incredibly strong, mm. and I like from what I've experienced personally, from what I've seen as well, it's beautiful, man. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, Ireland. Just to have music as something which brings everyone together so so strongly, yeah. You know, like and they're you, fucking good musicians as well. Uh, like you know, the, the, the you know they play. Oh, they play hard. Oh man, it's they don't fuck control. around. Yeah, they <laughs> fuck around in the best way. Yeah, but they don't they, they don't piss fart around. Exactly, they want to be piss farting. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think anyone's been like I was in Perth and I had the best night of my life when I walked past <laughs> Spar and they were all screaming the Eagle Rock with their pants off. Oh uh, yeah, 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 sense yeah, of community. Yeah. Man, the K- all, like, the, all those what? boys yelling Kaysan. Oh, <laughs> what a community! Oh. What a sense of community that was. Sorry, uh. sorry, Perth. We, just, we do sledge you a lot. Um, I can't just. Well, 
if, if you're sledging it, it's because, like, you, you care about the place. You love it. Yes. It's true. Yes. It is true. It is true. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I would definitely give it shit, but I would give it, like, it, I, I can give it shit because I'm from there. Maybe, exactly. And maybe you feel the same way. It's like, <laughs> you know, soft fuck up. It's not yours. <laughs> you can't say shit about it. But it's we not can. really that much of a fuck up. It's only a fuck up because of this fucking COVID thing like the last couple of days. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> before I go down, before I take us down that rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess so, I mean, you, you say you're a flautist primarily, but do you compose from the flute or piano? Like what is it when you're actually sitting down to compose, uh, what do you... Um, as you can see, for those who are listening, we do have video chat as well. And uh, I have a keyboard in the back. So that is the main source of inputting ideas. Yes. I'm very good at dictating if there if there is something in my head. So I can basically just sort of if I if I if I have an idea in my head, it's not that difficult to get it down right. in some in some form. Piano is the best way. Uh flute, actually, because I haven't really played it too much it's been more of almost like it's become a hobby right. or it's become a thing based on necessity mm-hmm. i normally don't if i'm writing something that i'm going to play on flute i'll probably write it as best as possible on the piano yeah. produce the sheet music if i need to if i can't remember it or if i don't want to remember it and then what i'll probably do because i come from also a jazz background mm. i will take that raw material and if in the room i either can't play it successfully because <laughs> i don't have the chops <laughs> or uh because i i feel like there's a better way to execute the idea i'll just improvise on the spot get it done right sick yeah but piano yeah piano is the primary thing and then you know because a lot of the music i write nowadays not like not all the time but a lot of it can be quite electroacoustic Mm -hmm. focused so there's normally a pretty heavy sort of electronic textual element to what i'm writing especially or even when i'm combining it with with acoustic instruments Awesome. And do you work on yes. Pro Tools, Logic, Ableton, or do you have a more compositional software? Logic for 95% of the time. Right. 5% is uh, Cubase. Yeah. yeah. Basically, if I'm, if I'm really stuck, I'll go into Cubase. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> uh, because, because I don't use it that often, so it forces me to think about stuff a different way because I can't really – I don't have the same relaxed sort of approach with Logic, which I know kind of pretty well. Yep, yep. And then Pro Tools for, for editing live music. Sorry, recorded music. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Yes. And you orchestrate everything? You write out all the orchestrations as well? Uh, right now, yes. I have used orchestrators in the past, which has been a really awesome because it's like, oh, it's done. I, I'll just, I'll just get to the, I'll just get to the podium, and it's, it's there. It's good to go. Um, that's happened like once or twice where I've been able to use like other orchestrators. That was super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very convenient. I apologize. I'm about to sneeze, so oh, good, I was going to pause the answer for like two seconds. It's either going. It's really annoying because it's either going to go away or it's not. But it's it's gonna kind of just like wait for the last moment to tell me. <laughs> I think we're safe. So I apologize. You might need to edit that. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> or you can leave it in. It's totally your point. Bo- it's totally your call. Totally we're really like, <laughs> gonna, like got no shame about not sneezing. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, sorry. So orchestrate yeah, so for the most part, I do orchestrate myself mm-hmm. for better and for worse. For example, all the Maiden Abyss I've orchestrated myself. Wow. Tarragotta orchestrated myself. Uh, everything I'm doing right now, I'm orchestrating myself. I am a bit of a control freak, again, for better and for worse mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to certain things. So yeah, for like one or two projects, I've used an orchestrator, which has been lovely. I use right now what's called a MIDI transcriber, right? which uh, in layman's terms is basically someone that transfers the raw MIDI that is programmed to logic Huh. into a notation software of my choosing, right. which I then take and then orchestrate from. Oh, shit. That's awesome. But it's like that. Tra- it's like that, those translation building blocks. Yes. Because um, you have to 
clean up a lot of this MIDI because if it's, if it's being performed, it needs to sometimes be interpreted by the MIDI, MIDI transcriber in order to be successfully imported into a notation software, which I then take back, which I then orchestrate, which I then you know record. Gotcha. So. Yeah, it is, uh, depending on the project, it is a, a budgetary thing. You know, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll cop that that fee mm-hmm. to make to make the project work as a whole. For sure, for sure. Yes. And who do you answer to on, on an anime project? Is it the director or is it a team of them, the producers? Like, I'm not sure how that all, how does that work? We talk very, very closely. First off, the day-to-day is handled by a music producer or a music director. Right. Uh, so I have someone who I've worked with as a music director for many, many years, like basically every anime I've done has been through this one one person who I talk to every day. And he is both uh, sort of an advice and consent sort of uh, sort of figure in terms of presenting the music to the non-musical team, the, you know, the, the bosses, mm-hmm. so to speak, which normally consists of the director, the animation director, the producer, et cetera. And we'll sort of sit down virtually right now and have a big discussion about, you know, what is and isn't working or, you know, how do we justify this, et cetera. So we'll definitely talk to the director, especially more early on as we're sort of kind of trying to understand each other's language, each other's sort of tempo, no pun intended. <laughs> I think it's very important to, to get to know the director as much as possible, even in COVID times. Like one of the projects I'm working on right now, I'm, I'm talking to the director, not, not as much now because we've already broken a lot of bread together. So we've developed a good shorthand. Yes. To, to be able to just sort of do what we got to do now. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, it totally varies from project to project, though, from team to team. I can imagine. How have you found the COVID impact of kind of having to be in Australia? Because I imagine before you probably spent quite a bit of time in Japan, or did you, or was it kind of a bit easier now? It was more, it was more not even spending a crazy amount of time in Japan, although I do miss that significantly. It was to do with traveling to record. Mm. Uh, I um, I haven't been able to conduct. I, I, I conduct when I can or when it's appropriate because I really enjoy that and I feel like it produces a, a, a good result. For example, like I, I've recorded in places such as Vienna and Nashville mm. where I have conducted, but th- I've also recorded in places like Prague where I have not conducted. So in, in places where I typically do not conduct, I don't need to be in the room per se. Like if I was physically in the room, it would be great. If I was in the country, it would be awesome. But it becomes not a necessary thing. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a luxury, but it's not going to basically negatively or noticeably negatively impact the result. So when I have been recording recently remotely, the only bitchy thing is basically the time zone because mm. it's all late at night for us. Because if I'm recording in Europe, there at 9 o'clock in the morning is like our 6 p.m. at night right now. Mm. And it was 7 p.m. before. And if we're doing seven hours of music, it means I'm going to bed like 2, 3 a.m. Yeah. Mm. And uh, that's not a natural thing for me to do. So, you know, that side of it can be a little bit more physically taxing. At the same time, you know, you're not taking a flight where you've got to do jet lag twice. And, uh, you know, I guess it's not technically as expensive, even though, you know, that I don't really consider that to any sort of serious degree. There is a, a, a FOMO element to not being there. Part of the, the great luck or luxury of being able to, you know, travel for work is to say, okay, I'm going to work with these musicians from this specific country, from this specific, uh, specific city. I do miss that. You know, I look forward to, to doing more of that, both conducting or just being in the control room, giving feedback, et cetera. It'll happen. It's just, you know, can't do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's certainly been a uh, 
pretty rough year to say the least, but it's amazing that it can still oh, yeah. happen. I mean, technology's come so far. I mean, the fact that you can still do it to the level is incredible. Yeah, really. I mean, you you can talk basically like you're in the control room. Mm. They feed the um the voice uh, the voice recording that you're doing into the conductor's headphones. Oh wow! I think it takes like a three second delay sometimes. It's great. That's sick. And in terms of your kind of fandom of anime in general, did you like anime before you kind of got involved or was it mostly gaming or how did you kind of, yeah, it's your journey? Like I started out in games. I eventually sort of, through games I got interested in Japan. Through Japan I got interested through anime. Through Japan and anime and games I got interested in the language and I, I had this like ambition to go work for Nintendo as like a kid and stuff. And that, you know, I didn't do that, but uh, that ambition to be to be a part of the, uh, the Japanese industry was was always a passion. Mm. Anime I fell off of for a while. Just I think it was just a natural thing that unfortunately happened. Other things just kind of, you know, took over. When I started doing it again, specifically when Maiden Abyss came out, I was very, very interested in what other shows were coming out that year and then I cut the, the passion reignited mm. a little bit. Well, a lot, but, you know, <laughs> basically, like, even though I don't have a crazy amount of time to, to watch a bunch of anime today... Uh, I, I still try and keep up to date and, you know, I still watch my shows. Yeah. <laughs> what are you watching at the moment? Um, I'm re-watching uh, Attack on Titan yes. from season one Hell and yes. I'm looking for all the hints, <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which, is, which is quite fun. I really need to watch. I watched the first episode, episode of Wonder Egg Priority and yes. I really want to go back and watch the rest. It's dope. I need to go back. I, I watched like the first six episodes of Jujutsu Kaisen. Mm-hmm. I need to go, see, go back and see that. But yeah, obviously like AOT season four, which is like, you know, pretty normy at this point, but, <laughs> you know, also, you know. Still good. Awesome for AOT. Yep. And then, uh, you know, last year I watched a couple. Well, we had more time last year. Mm. So, you know, obviously, you know, watched uh, God of High School when it came out. Yep. I was very interested to see that. I watched, uh, oh, Apare Raman. Oh. It was, was a great show to watch. I loved watching that show. It was good fun. They're one of the studios who got delayed with COVID. So I think I saw like the first three episodes and then like, Two, three months later, I was like, oh, shit, I've got to come back to this now and, like, you know, try and remember the story. So, yeah, like, we definitely watched, like, a bunch of a bunch of things last year, which was lovely. Watched a bunch of movies as well. Watched Premiere, which was great. I, I re-watched Silent Voice only uh-huh. once because, like, man, there's two scenes. One is, like, awkward cry. One is, like, like ugly cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I rewatched that. Uh, rewatched a bunch of Ghibli films. One of my favorite Ghibli films. Actually, no, sorry. My favorite Ghibli film is actually The Cat Returns. Oh, right. okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, like it. I, I thought it's just a fucking charming movie yep. with a phenomenal musical score. Mm. I mean, yeah. just masterful score in terms of orchestration and thematic development. It's just good fun, man. And it's not too long. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 80 minutes long. Yeah. I need to rewatch that one. I feel like I didn't watch that on my rewatch because I was like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a good movie. And then just forgot about it. But you're right. It's kind uh, of they, the they animate the cats really well. Yeah. They animate the cats really well. Anime do cats well in general. Mm-hmm. Hollywood do cats yeah. terribly as we well, have just recently seen. Angela <laughs> Webber does cats terribly. Not great. Uh, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oof, yes that's- and would you say you have a favorite? Sorry, I have to ask this because we are the uh, gateway to anime <laughs> podcast. Um, but did you have a gateway anime? What was your first anime you ever watched? Oh, okay. I've got like three answers. I've got one answer in three parts. Cool. Um, <laughs> so the anime, the first anime that I watched that I did not recognize was an anime was Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cheese TV. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I watched 
especially the Freezer saga and the Cell saga were like kind of that, that's when I was growing up, but I didn't really recognize or, or sort of, you know, on any conscious level that it was anime. Mm. Now there were two other anime that kind of messed with me and kind of just like got me into it as a whole. One was, um, and I apologize for this, one of them was School Days. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because the ending <laughs> screwed me up so much <laughs> that I just like, I remember watching it and I just like just went, like I just did not talk to anyone for like two days. Because like the concept of what happens at the end and the the juxtaposition between like kind of just a pretty, like up until that point, somewhat insignificant story. Mm. And then just this horrific ending. That, that whiplash was distinctly anime for me mm. uh, at the time. And so to this day, I still remember the whiplash and mm. the whiplash actually, I think informs what I like to do as a, as a, as a musician when it comes to anime as well, sometimes if I can help it. But the other one, uh, which is more emotional, a little bit deeper, uh, there was a relatively unknown, com- sorry, comparatively unknown anime from the early 2000s, like 2001 to maximum called uh, Earth Maiden Arjuna. Okay. Wow. Now, this was a, an anime that had music by uh, Yoko Kanno. Oh. And uh, the, 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 the show was all about sort of, uh, it, it had a lot of Indian philosophy right. uh, written into the story, based a lot around uh, the idea of the planet being a living mechanism and that everything is an extension of that planet. So it, w- it was very, very uh, moving story-wise but that story was accented by probably, I think the only thing that she's done better than that soundtrack is, or, or on par with it, is Terror in Resonance. Mm. That's, that's fantastic. Which is my favorite, which, which is my favorite series from the uh, 2010s. Yeah. Mm. Incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she, she ain't human. Man. She's not. Yeah. I about to say, you know, she's, she's a I, I got friends that work within the realm of humanity, which I love and I love their music. I like, I feel like I work in the realm of like humanity. That's not like what she does ain't human anymore. Yeah, it's it kind of past that. Yeah. Like it's, it's probably like the literal definition of God tier. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. I'm not yeah. even fucking about man. It's so good. It's like, out of control. Just, like if I can achieve like fucking like 5% of that, by the time like I'm dead, I'll be happy. <laughs> so, so yeah, like we'll see, man. We'll see. But uh, yeah, she, she's a, uh, she, she, she's got here. Oh, man. What can I say? She's it. What else can I say? No question. I mean, Cowboy Bebop. I mean, my God, it's just that all the ones I did specialized. love. I did love Cowboy Bebop, and as a as a te- as a technical score as well. Not alone, yes. let alone like just the groove of the vibe mm. and the quality, but just um, you know, uh, in terms of the technical aspects of that soundtrack, pretty much as good as you're going to get. Yeah, it's just purely down to, like, personal aesthetic. And it's like, I love Cowboy Bebop, but I don't have the same association that I do with other soundtracks, Mm. you know, regarding Yoko Kano. Totally. You know, that's just me. Totally, (laughs) man. I mean, Terran Resonance is also just out of control. Like, it's so fucking good. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Sorry, I can't believe you're, you said school days. I'm still uh, stuck oh, on that one. Trust me, like, you know, I don't say it willingly. I just say <laughs> it factually. <laughs> like, it just, you know, it, it was just, I watched it as like a 14, 15-year-old kid and it fucked me up. Yep. What can I say? <laughs> Honestly, it's a, it's a truly shocking and that's hard to do. So they did shock everyone. So I wouldn't say it's a good gateway for those listeners who have never seen School days? Oh, no. But, um, <laughs> no. It's like by, by, by no probably more, I haven't seen it and I haven't really like, you know, thought about it other than like when it's come up in, as a question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, I, I can't imagine that it's going to like stand the test of time as like 
when you look back and you say, man, that was a great pinnacle of, of Japanese quality. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe it was, who knows? Like, I can't remember at this point, but all, all I know is that this guy just like cheats on a bunch of people and then he gets, you know, spoiler alert, I guess, kind of, <laughs> you know, brutally murdered for it at the end. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. really not that, you know. It's a strong message. <laughs> yeah. It's very, yeah. It's very, yeah. <laughs> Something. <laughs> School days. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, I think, mate, thank you so, so much for coming on and chatting to us. That was incredible. We're huge fans of your work and it was such a pleasure to talk to you about your process and about your influence and your your history and your background. And thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, it's all good. My my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And and thank you for making a podcast. That's that's local. I really appreciate (laughs) that. Not at all, man. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun. We got totally perthed, which we knew we would. (laughs) We got perthed immediately. Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. Before we go, though, do you have any advice for anyone who wants to get into composition for anime or anything like that? Any kind of passing thing or not? Not really. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. No, 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 of course. Um, I mean, the thing that I always come back to and I, I feel is worth repeating is, um, and I know I'm a slightly hypocritical of this to some extent, but not intentionally, is to do with taking time to hone your craft or taking time to hone a personality that people will want to listen to. And so what I mean by that is I went through a phase and to, to an extent, admittedly, I'm still going through this phase of imitation. I love my idols. I love my, I, I love dreaming of hopefully becoming a composer like someone like Yoko Kano or something like that one day. And there is still, unfortunately, an imitation aspect where, you know, I don't know how she does it. So I just try and imitate it. And then, you know, I do kind of like a, you know, a second rate version of what she does perfectly because it's her. But that attempt because it yields educational results is a very important part of what I would consider the creative process. And and that's not exclusive to music, but my point in saying that is that especially younger composers will have more of this imitation aspect, this imitation philosophy, probably just unconsciously there. And they're just kind of, you know, trying to do the best that they can and try and sound like their idols, which is commendable. And to an extent, I think actually makes perfect sense because, you know, you, you're learning through osmosis almost to, you know, to write like the people that you like. Mm. That being said, at some point, it is my opinion that you should be breaking away from sounding exactly like the people that you love. Not to say that you should disregard influence, but I'm saying once you feel like you, you're at a point, or maybe you unconsciously or sorry, subconsciously do this, at, a, at some point, to be able to combine all the lessons that you've maybe self-taught or being taught from multiple composers and teachers, to combine that into your own handwriting, your own signature, I think is the key. Now, the issue with that is that it takes time and young people are not very very well known for being patient. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So patience and time in order to discover at least to an extent, and you can do this by working as well. Like you shouldn't not work because you you don't feel like you're ready Mm -hmm. Uh, because that's a, that's a paradox for just waiting to happen. But you know, the idea that, you know, you, you don't, you're not losing sight of the idea of becoming an individual, even if on the way you're, I mean, you listen to my early stuff, man, it sounds like a lot of composers that are not me. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, there are still going to be times where that happens. It's just a, you know, it's a constant, it's a constant thing. It's a constant, you know, attempt to be, you know, a good composer, or a memorable composer, maybe. Mm. Or a composer that, you know, makes people feel shit that you feel happy about. Yeah. Sorry, a bit ranty, but uh, like, no, you man, know, no. I'm, I'm pretty passionate about like remembering to be patient, even if you are still working in the industry at the time. 
100%. I think you're right. It's applicable to all artistry of any sort. You know, I think it's a... Yes, absolutely. It's a really intelligent, percipient and wise thing to say. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's awesome, man. Well, there you, you go. 28 and I've got one bit of wise knowledge. There we go. <laughs> uh, awesome, man. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you so much and we'll catch you soon. Absolutely. Pleasure. Keep well. Thank you to, to, to yourselves and everyone listening. You know, keep safe, keep healthy. You know, hopefully we'll, we'll you know, see each other soon. At the convention. <laughs> <Lovely>. <laughs> Here's hoping. Awesome, man. Thank you. Very good. Thanks.